Well, we are on week four of our 40 Days in the Word journey. Uh, I am glad that you're with us. Welcome to our online community. Glad that you are with us as well. Lots to discuss today. Uh, A lot of diving into God's Word. So let's pray and uh, see what God has for us today. Ushers, would you come forward, please? Lord, uh, we just we want to we want to just kind of draw near, continue to draw near to you, for you to uh, speak over us, speak into us, and really just continue that work of change in us, that work of growth, that work of transformation in us. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to just rest upon us, Lord. Regardless of where we may be on this spiritual journey, would you would you come and meet us in that space? Would you speak to us? Would you show us more of yourself? We pray, Jesus, for you to be glorified today in all that is said. Lord, be with us in our offering as we continue, and we do so in an attitude of worship, and that's important. We, wanna, we want to, to give in an attitude of worship, placing you above all things, and uh, that would go towards helping us be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the movement that you experience or the growth that you experience in this 40-day journey is all going to be determined by this one word called proximity. First, your proximity to Jesus. You've heard me talk about this before. Jesus says it like this, that I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, proximity, right? If you abide in me, if you connect with me, proximity. If you stay close to me, proximity. He says, you will bear much fruit. Now, Jesus built this agricultural metaphor because that's what his first century followers would have understood. Today, you may say something like, um, I am the source, you are the device, If you stay plugged into me, your battery will remain charged. You may say something like that, right? Like like you will have the power, four bars, five bars, whatever your phone looks like, to do what you've been created to do, to become what you've been created to become. And one way that we stay connected to the source is through this thing called a daily devotional. And so that is why we gave you the 40 days in the word devotional, A, a simple way for you to begin that process of of kind of presenting yourself before the Lord, proximity. Listen, if you've fallen behind on your devotional, don't try to catch up, just start where we're at today. Just jump in and, and keep going, keep moving forward. One of the key ways you're gonna grow in this campaign is proximity to Jesus, but the other way is your proximity to others, right? Proverbs 27 says, iron sharpens iron. And so one person sharpens another. It's when we move out of rows and into circles that we begin to sharpen each other. Some of my best spiritual growth has happened outside of this as we're doing right now. And many of you would have the same exact testimony. Some of my best growth happened when I was in a circle with other people where we were sharpening one another. Right? And so we've asked that you commit to the full seven weeks of the series, but that you also commit to the full seven weeks of a group. Now, around this time is when group attendance starts to wane. Right? You're like, oh, the newness is worn off, and you're like, can I keep going? Yes, keep going, commit to it, keep plugging in, keep reading your devotional. Keep staying strong regardless of what group you're in, whether it's a home group, whether it's one of the Tuesday groups here, or one of the 15 uh, Wednesday night groups that meet uh, here. 
keep going. If you're not in a group and you'd like one of the books, we've held some back for you. Show up either Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll put a book in your hand and you can continue the process with us. Listen, listen. It is, it is the process of proximity that bears fruit, but fruit is not instant. So sometimes, sometimes when you're connected to the vine, you'll walk away and you'll say, where's the fruit? Well, the fruit is in the process of budding, but it takes time to bear fruit. And so many times the reason why we become frustrated is because we make a small investment, but we never continue the investment. So my encouragement to you is continue the investment. Wednesdays, we're going to do something a little different for you. So you want to show up, make sure that you're here on, the, on Wednesday night at 6.30. So proximity to Jesus, proximity to others. Uh, as, as we do that, we will learn to love the word and to uh, learn the word and to live the word like we never have before. Listen to what the author of Psalm 119 says. I meditate on your precepts or your word and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I will not neglect your word. Now, neglect comes from the Hebrew word shaka. It's where we get the English word shaka khan. <laughs> and uh, some of you are like, oh, he's so smart. <laughs> shaka means to lay aside or to ignore or to forget about. And so the author of Psalm 119, we're not really sure, some think it's David, they would say, but the, the, the principle is clear. I will not lay aside your word. I will not ignore it. I will not forget about it. I will not allow it to collect dust on the end table. I will not allow it to be the app that is never opened. Right? I will not neglect, shaka, your word. And I think most of us agree with this sentiment. Like we know, we know but between knowing and doing, there's a disconnect. And I think one of the reasons why there is a disconnect and something that I hear often is people saying something like, I've tried to read the Bible and it just doesn't make any sense to me or I'm not getting anything out of it or it just seems like a closed book or it seems flat or boring or dry, much like Pastor Marty's sermons. I know that's what you're thinking, right? Well, Today, if you've ever felt like the Bible seemed flat or unrelatable, you're here on a good Sunday because we're going we're gonna to explain why the Bible at times can appear to kind of be a closed book and how God wants to open it for all of us. And God does this through what's known as the principle of illumination. Now, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, first, there's inspiration. Right, We've been talking about that. That's the 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is inspired by God. Right, So inspiration is how God revealed the word. There's interpretation, which occurs when we study the word. And then illumination is our understanding and application of the word. Look at Psalm 119 again. Open my eyes to see. That's illumination. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths of your instructions. In other words, they're saying, illuminate the text. Because if you don't, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to understand it. If you don't open my spiritual eyes, I'm not going to understand what I need to understand. And I'm not going to know how to apply it. All right. So what is illumination? Illumination describes the work of the Holy Spirit and helping me understand the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. 
The key in this is the work of the Holy Spirit to illuminate the scriptures. Look at John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, or the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I I know it's good to have me with you in the flesh, but the best thing that I can do for you is get out of here. Because when I leave, I will send another in my place. Now, in this passage, uh, uh, the, the word is helper. In other passages, it's comforter. In other tra- or in other translations, it's, it's a comforter. It's the, uh, the helper. It's the, uh, the adversary or the, the advocate, right? All of the, the same words. The idea is the Holy Spirit coming, the comforter, the counselor. The Greek word there is parakletos. And it's a difficult word for us to interpret, and so that's why we've thrown so many names at it, right? So it's why one translation will say counselor, another advocate, another comforter, another helper, and all of them are true. The idea is, Jesus says, it's best for me to go because when I leave, I will send the parakletos in my place. And you say, well, what is that? And Jesus would basically say, whatever it is you need. Do you need a comforter? That's the parakletos. Do you need a guide? They'll do that too. All right, do, do you need a counselor? Yes. Do you need a helper? Yes. Do you need an aid? Yes. And so it's this idea of, of the Holy Spirit coming to give us aid or to help us. And, and how does he help us? Look at John 14, 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us or leads into all truth. John 14, 26, but when the Father sends the advocate, same word, parakletos, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. And what did Jesus tell his followers? Well, we don't have to guess. It's in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? It talks about what Jesus had to say. And so the Holy Spirit illuminates scripture. This is really important. And this is often why why Scripture can appear closed if there is no illumination that is taking place. In other words, the light goes on and suddenly we begin to understand it. Now, catch this. The Holy Spirit, who is part of the Trinity, Trinity, which means he is God, is the inspiration behind Scripture, but the Holy Spirit is also the illumination behind Scripture. And so the Bible is one of the few books that you can talk to the author while you're reading it, right? To to gain insight. You can hear from the author at the same time you read it. That's called illumination. It looks like where maybe a thought will come to your mind or there's a stirring in your spirit and you kind of have an aha moment. Now think think about that in in your life as you're reading scripture. Most of us have a story that we were reading a passage of scripture. Maybe we've read it tens of times before, but then all of a sudden it took on new life and it was kind of like the, oh, I finally get it. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the illumination of the Holy Spirit kind of opening the eyes of our, of our heart so we can understand. It's a thought in the mind. It's an impression inside of me. It's a stirring in my spirit and the light goes off and all of a sudden we say, man, I get it now. I don't know why I didn't get it last time, but I get it now. I get it now. That is the illumination of the Holy Spirit working upon us. So how does it work? Let's look at what Paul says in Ephesians 1. 
Paul is writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, and he says this to the believers who are gathered there. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. saints. The key here is that phrase, the eyes of your heart. So when you were born physically, everything that you have learned throughout life has come through one of your five senses, right? Taste, touch, smell, sight, or sound. And it'll be that way for the rest of your life. Whatever you learn will come through one of those five senses. But when you're born spiritually or born again, Scripture talks about this idea that God gives you a second set of senses. In other words, now you have spiritual eyes to see what you have never seen before and spiritual ears to hear what you've never heard before. Now, this this is important. All of a sudden, you'll start to feel or sense some things that you've never felt before. You will experience something you've never experienced before. That's the eyes of your heart being open. That's the illumination of the Holy Spirit working within you. Don't let the, the term illumination kind of freak you out in some new age type thing. That's nothing like we're talking about right? It's just, it's just the Holy Spirit shining a light on the truth of Scripture so it becomes alive within us. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That word enlightened is the Greek word photizo. It's where we get the English word photo. What is a photo? It is a, a, an image of light being transferred onto a photosensitive surface. Well, that's kind of what's happening here in this idea of the Holy Spirit enlightening us, right? There is an image that is transferred onto our spirits when we're sensitive to receive it, and then we begin to understand it. And so that's why you'll get a a, a aha moment, like I've never never known that before, or this is exactly what I needed today. You need encouragement, and all of a sudden you receive encouragement from something in Scripture. It's the Holy Spirit transferring the light of God's word, the light of God's truth, into your spirit. Now, why is this so important? It's important because without it, we will never reap the harvest of what is in Scripture. For example, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, for then you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And here's the payoff. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives when reading Scripture. So what happens when God opens our spiritual eyes? Well, let's talk about a couple of them. I see the solution to my problem. Right When when the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of your heart, your spiritual eyes, we begin to see the solution to our problem. Genesis 21 is the story of Sarah and Abraham, uh, Sarah's uh, handmaiden Hagar, and their sons Isaac and Ishmael. And God went to Abraham and he promised him a son, but more than that, he promised him that he would be the father of a great nation. Well, the problem was at 90 years old, Abraham did not have a son, had no children. And you can't be the father of many until you are at least the father of one. And so Abraham's getting up in age, Sarah's getting up in age, and so Sarah comes up with plan B in order to get this promise rolling. And so Sarah told Abraham, I'm too old to have a baby, you're too old for a baby, but God promised us a child. He says, why don't you take my assistant? 
Why don't you take my handmaiden, Hagar, and why don't you sleep with her and she'll become a surrogate mother and give us a baby? Now, Abraham was a righteous, God-fearing man. So Abraham was like, okay. <laughs> because he's a dude, right? So he's like, so he goes that way. And then Hagar gets pregnant with Abraham's child and names him Ishmael. And so now Abraham is thanking God for this promised child. And God's like, hold on, Playa. Like, Ishmael's a good kid, but that's not the child of promise that I promised you. Like, you took that into your own hands, quite literally, right? And so that, that, that's not the way I was going. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless Ishmael. He'll have a nation too. But, but, but that's, that wasn't my plan. And so eventually, Sarah gets pregnant. She has a boy. They name it Isaac. Isaac becomes the father of the Jewish nation. Now, in an episode that's fit for the, the, the real housewives of Egypt, Sarah gets jealous of Hagar. I know we couldn't see that one coming, right? She gets jealous of Hagar and goes to Abraham and says, I can't stand to see your face after you've been with her, right? And Abe's like, but you told me to. And she's like, you should have known better. And they're just back and forth. And so Sarah says, I want her out of the family. And so she's booted off of Love Island, her and Ishmael, right? So they go. And some of you are like, I'm not catching these references. That's okay. You don't watch TV. You're better than me, okay? So, so she gets booted off of Love Island, her and Ishmael. So they're wandering the desert. Abraham's like, Abraham's like what am I going to do? My wife says, go. I'm out of options. So he loads up some canteens of water, sends them out. Scripture says the water ran out, and this is where we pick up the story. Genesis 21. And she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the, in the shade of a bush. And then she went and sat down by herself about 100 yards away. And she said, I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, and she burst into tears. But God heard the crying, and the angel of God called Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God, here it is, opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. Here, here's the problem. Or here's the point. The provision was there, but she couldn't see it. Right? There, was, there was some type of block or blind, whatever that looked like. The, the provision was there. Hagar had the solution right in front of her, but she couldn't see it until illumination, right? until God opened her eyes for her to see. He had to illuminate her mind to help her see from a different perspective. Now listen, I don't know where you're at today, and I don't know what you're going through or what life looks like for you right now, but there's a chance that maybe you're looking around and you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I don't know any way around this, and I don't know any way to make this better, and I'm kind of running out of options, and I can't see a solution. And what you need is for the Holy Spirit to illuminate your spirit. You need to have the Holy Spirit enlighten your mind so that you can see the path forward and how God is leading you in your situation. Because let's be honest, I'm really good at leading myself, and I'm really bad at leading myself. Meaning I'm good at leading myself because it comes naturally to me, but, I, but I, I lead myself into all kinds of pits and all kinds of problems, right? What I need is, is, is for the Holy Spirit to illuminate the path forward, not based on my wisdom, but based upon heavenly wisdom. So, 
When the eyes are open, spiritual eyes are open, we see the solution to our problem. But then we also see the barrier to my progress. In other words, let me just ask you, what's holding you back today? And you may say, I have no idea. That's why you need to have some illumination. Maybe there's something you've been trying to do or something you've been trying to accomplish or something you need to start or stop or an addiction that needs to be overcome or some other type of area that needs to be overcome. And it just feels like you just, you just keep hitting an invisible wall and you're just saying, I don't know what my problem is. Numbers 22, it's the story of this guy named Balaam and it is a weird story. Balaam is a prophet of God and in a turn of events, Balaam decides to go to the enemy and offer his services to them. Now, the enemy was also Israel's enemy. Uh, his name was uh, uh, Balak. He was the king of the Moabites, and God wasn't happy. But Balaam is going to go to the king of the Moabites, and he's going he's to lend his services to him. So he packs up his donkey, and he heads out on this road trip, and God tries to block his path forward by sending this angel with a sword to stand in its way. The problem is Balaam can't see it, but apparently donkey can, right? And so, and so donkey like starts moving sideways and trying to get out of the path and Balaam's getting mad and all the PETA people get mad because he's beaten this, this animal, right? He keeps, he keeps whipping it and then a little further down the road, the angel reappears and donkey's like, mm-mm. And now he's squeezing up against this, this cliff and Balaam's foot's getting crushed and Balaam's beating it again and, and he's, he's hitting, he's screaming at the thing and a little further down the road, angel appears again and this time, donkey just lays down. And so Balaam, he's furious and this is where we pick up the story in Numbers 22. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Now, in your mind, you're hearing Eddie Murphy, right? I know you are. So am I. And I wish I could do an impersonation because it'd be really funny. So the so donkey says, what have I done that I deserve you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. And Balaam said, you made me look like a fool. Now, he's speaking to a donkey. So you made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I'd kill you. But I am the same donkey you've ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, he's having a good conversation with this donkey. <laughs> Balaam admitted. Then the Lord, here it is again, opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a, sword draw, with a drawn sword in his hand. And Balaam noticed what he did. He bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Listen, when the Lord opens Balaam's eyes, that is illumination. And now he was able to see what was blocking his progress, right? And what, what, what Balaam does next is he humbles himself and says, I've been going the wrong direction. And he falls to the ground and he worships. Now, it's a strange story. I get it. Like, it's one of those, like, mm, I, I got to get to heaven and ask, like, what was going on on this one, right? But here's the point. You might just be frustrated because something in your life isn't working. And you feel like you're hitting an invisible wall. And you're getting mad at whoever the donkey is around you. 
as if it's their fault. It's a coworker's fault. It's your spouse's fault. It's your kid's fault. It's you know, whoever that might be. And you're getting mad at them as if it's their fault. But sometimes the barriers in front of you will only be seen if the Holy Spirit illuminates what's blocking your progress. And it may not be anyone around you. It just might be God who's saying, I can't let you go down that way. Because if you go down that road, it's going to cause all kinds of issues. And so I'm trying to block you and you're getting angry and you're just full speed ahead. And God's like, hold, slow down. If you keep going that way, it's not going to end well. See, when your progress is blocked, you have one or two choices. You can, you can, you can, it's so weird. You can fight with your donkey or you can let God open your eyes. Those are your only choice. I know that doesn't sound right either, but, right? You either can get mad at everyone around you or you can say, God, am I missing something? When's the last time you made that prayer? Hey, God, am I missing something as to why I just can't get any traction? Is there something that, that I should be seeing that I can't? Will you, will you illuminate my eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see. Now, when God opens your spiritual eyes, we see the solution to our problem, we see the barriers to our progress, and then when God opens our spiritual eyes, we see the defense for what is attacking us. Hey, maybe you're feeling under attack today. Maybe it's a physical attack, right? Your health is failing you. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe just all of a sudden the rug has been pulled out from under you. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a, a close friendship. And you, it, like, it's just not normal. There's an attack going on, right? Jesus says, John 10, 10, I've come to give you life, right? But he also says, hey, there's a, there's a spiritual adversary that seeks to steal, kill, and to destroy. Maybe it's an attack coming against your family or against your, your, your finances. Or maybe it's a spiritual attack. Maybe it's a spiritual attack that's trying to keep you from experiencing all that God has for you. For example, right now, you may be here and you're just thinking, I can hardly stay seated. Like, I, I, I can't even be, like, within you, you're all agitated and you're like, I just got to run. Like, I, I need to get out. It could very well be a spiritual attack where a spiritual enemy is trying to keep you from what God is trying to give you. So, so let's, let's look at this idea of a defense against what is attacking me. We're going to look at Elisha and the Armenians. It's in um, uh, uh, Armenians in 2 Kings 6. The Old Testament, there was a nation called Aram. And Aram and Israel was always at odds, always at war with one another. And uh, the king of Aram would attack Israel, but God would tell Elijah the, the battle plans, and Israel was already always ready. And so the king of Aram would come up with this great idea, but God would speak to Elisha, who would then tell uh, the king of Israel, and Israel on point and ready again. Well, this grew old really fast. And so Aram became, uh, king of Aram became frustrated, and he is sure now that there's a traitor in his ranks. 2 Kings 6. The king of Aram became very upset over this, and he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? And it's not us, my lord. Uh, it, it's not us, my lord. The information, uh, where am I at? 
Uh, It's not us, uh, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elijah, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops and seize him. And the report came back, Elijah is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and many horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God, so there's Elisha and his servant. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside and there were troops everywhere, horses and chariots everywhere. And so he goes to Elisha, the prophet. He's like, hey, uh, what are we going to do now? And Elisha comes back with this line. He says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, at this point, the servant looks around and he says, uh, I got news for you, but last count, it's two. It's me and you, and you should probably know up front, I'm more of a lover than a fighter. So if you're expecting me to do some kung kung fu Jedi stuff, you got the wrong man, right? And so so listen to how Elijah prays. Then Elijah prayed, oh Lord, here it is, open his eyes and let him see. Then the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw a hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire, meaning there were angelic beings surrounding them to do battle for them. And suddenly, Elijah's servant, he's not afraid anymore. Suddenly, he gets this, he gets this, 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 this like burst of courage, and he's like, hold me back, which is bro talk for, I want to look tough, but I'm not tough, so hold me back, right? Because now he got some muscle on his side. And so all of a sudden, he, he, he has this, this, this new courage, because there's supernatural forces fighting on their behalf. Here, here's, here's the point. Maybe you have things attacking you today, and you're starting to panic, and you're beginning to feel overwhelmed, and Maybe what you need is the Holy Spirit to illuminate your spiritual eyes to see the resources that are on your side and that are surrounding you. Maybe it's angelic beings. Maybe it's the family of God. Maybe it's the church that's going to rally around you. Maybe it's the assurance that in the end, regardless of what happens here, you're win. You win. You're victorious. Right? Maybe you need the spiritual eyes of your heart opened so you can see, to begin to see the truth about the situation. Because I think there are times when God says, if you can see this attack from my perspective, you would not be as worried as you are. Open the eyes, my spiritual eyes. So I see the solution to my problem. I see the barrier to my progress. I see the defense for what's attacking me. And then I see how God is walking with me. Maybe you've felt uh, really lonely or isolated lately uh, since the pandemic. And we talked about this last week. Depression is up. Anxiety is up. Uh, the, the, the feeling of being isolated and alone, it's all up in, in numbers like we have never seen before in recent history. Maybe you feel that God is distant. Let me just respectfully push back a little bit. Is it possible that God is in fact with you, but there's just been no illumination to see it? Is it possible that God is with you, but, 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 but your spiritual eyes have not been opened to see him? After his death and burial, 
the disciples scattered, right? They were sure Jesus was the Messiah, uh, the long-awaited deliverer of Israel, and then he's put to death. And suddenly all of their hopes and dreams come crashing down, and so they go on the run. They go underground to hide because they're on the lamb, because if they killed Jesus, then they would be next. They were his disciples. And then Luke introduces us to two delusion travelers who are leaving Jerusalem because they too believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And after he was killed and put in the grave, they figured they bet on the wrong horse. Now, the resurrection had occurred back in Jerusalem. They're walking the wrong way. They're going to Emmaus because they thought Jesus was still in the tomb. Little did they know the resurrection had already occurred. So we need two travelers who have given up on faith and are walking in the wrong direction. They're desperate, depressed, dejected, downcast, dismal, disappointed, and any other D word you can throw in there, right? Their hopes and dreams were crushed. Maybe they're talking about the good old days when faith and hope and Jesus were alive, talking about the way that things should have been and could have been and they were sure would have been, but now nothing has happened. Luke 24, 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, two of them, right, they're leaving, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Now, Jesus has this way of being sneaky. So Jesus sneaks up. It's sneaky Jesus because he has a way of inserting himself into your life. And so sneaky Jesus just kind of appears along the road and they're walking with sneaky Jesus and they're having a conversation, but they don't know sneaky Jesus is sneaky Jesus. And so they're just having this conversation. And so he asked them, Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? And what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened there the last few days. And Jesus is like, tell me. <laughs> right? Here's tricky Jesus. like, tell me what happened. I don't know. And so they begin to tell Jesus about Jesus. And they say, there was this guy, we thought he was the Messiah, and he performed all these miracles, but then he was arrested and he was condemned, and we kept waiting for the deliverance to come, and then he died, and then they buried him, and now we're going home, we've given up. And Jesus is like, mm, 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 that's quite a story. What was this guy's name? Jesse? Is that, did you say his name is Jesse? So walking back, dejected and alone, but they weren't alone, that's the point. God was with them, but in their grief, they didn't see it, right? Their eyes were spiritually closed, Luke 24. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. Jesus acted like he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. And so he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, then he broke it and gave it to them. Now catch it. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he was like, you see me? And now you don't. Right? I'm giving you just enough to keep your faith going. I got to get back to Jerusalem. So the eyes were open, walking with Jesus the entire day. And they didn't know they were walking with Jesus. Listen, it is possible. It is possible that God is with you. You just don't have the spiritual eyes that are open to see it. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what you lost over the past couple of years. Maybe it was a loved one or your health or your job or an important relationship and you're grieving and you're feeling alone and you're feeling isolated and I, I get it. But I do believe that every step God has been with you, we just need to have the illumination to see it. 
When God opens your eyes, suddenly you see the solution to your problems, the barriers to your progress, the defense against the attack, and you see the nearness of God in your life. Now, give me, give me 10 minutes. I'll wrap this up. Let me just give you four things that are needed in order for illumination to take place. So, for example, number one, um, uh, there, there has to be a, a relationship with Jesus. That, that has to be the first one. Uh, I, I must begin a relationship with Jesus. That's the starting point. If you don't have this, then Scripture says you're kind of spiritually blind. Like, like, like you, the Holy Spirit may give you some, some glimpses to see bits of it as, as, you're, as you're drawing near, but you're not going to see all of it. Now, this is more than just knowing about Jesus. This is knowing him personally. Until you've had that, listen to what 1 Corinthians says. Again, this is Paul writing to the believers at Corinth. He says, the person without the Spirit, or other translations say the natural person, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's why it's kind of nonsense to expect non-believers to act like believers. It's, it's just it's not, it's not going to happen. First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. Right? They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They're, they're, they're spiritually blind. And so it, it starts with a, a relationship with Jesus. And if you haven't made that decision, you can make that decision today. All right? it's, just, it, it, it's a yielding right, of, of saying, Jesus, I, I'm not the one leading anymore. You're leading. I accept the forgiveness of sin, and now I'm following you. Right? He becomes the master. You become the disciple. So the second part of receiving illumination from God is I need, um, I need to ask God in faith to open my eyes. Psalm 119 that we started with, open my eyes that I may behold the wonderful things of your law. Listen, in some version, hey, why don't you grab me a handheld so we don't keep fighting with this one, wrapping this up, but uh, I'll change pockets and see what that does. Sometimes my butt is electric, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know you were thinking it, so I just had to get it out there. Thank you. And now I feel like a televangelist holding a microphone. All right, so uh, open. I ask God to open and uh, uh, faith to open my eyes. In some version of Psalm 119, we should be praying that every time we open Scripture. So when you're doing your devotional, your prayer should be, God, open my eyes that I may behold the wonderful things that I'm about to read, right? Open my eyes. But let me just say this. Let me just say this. If you're reading Scripture and if it's dead and flat, and I say this respectfully, and you're not getting anything out of it, that's not the Bible's fault. And I say that respectfully. But that's not the Bible. It's that, it's that there's no illumination taking place. But the Holy Spirit wants to bring illumination to you. So ask God in faith to open my eyes. Number three, come with a humble attitude. In other words, if you come with the idea of, I don't need God in this relationship. I don't need God to help me out of this issue. I don't need the wisdom of God. Well, you'll receive nothing. Psalm 25 says he leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his 
way. The fourth thing to receive illumination is cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. In other words, my, my, my spiritual eyes will not be open if my body and my mind is continually full of junk. Right? It's just, it's not going to happen. Jesus said it like this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, 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 now the Jewish faith had all kinds of rituals to keep the body from being defiled. But Jesus says, look, let, let's go deeper than that. Let, let's, let's look at the heart. Unless your heart is pure, you're not going to be able to see it. Now, that does not mean perfection. Right? If the only time that God revealed anything is to those who are perfect, we'd all be left in the dark. So it's not talking about the pure in heart of being perfected. Listen, listen. Pure in heart means that I'm caught up today in my confessions with God. Like, like, like I'm, I'm not taking for granted this gift of repentance. Like, like, like when I stumble, I'm, I'm sincere in my repentance and I'm turning and I'm going the other way. That's pure in heart. But if I'm filling my mind with all kinds of garbage, allowing all kinds of bitterness and lust and resentment and jealousy to surround my life, if I'm surrounding my life with the wrong people, it will affect your spiritual eyes to see. Last thing, commit in advance to do what God says. We did a, a series not too long ago called Pre-Decide. Hey, here's my, here's my encouragement to you. Pre-decide today that whatever God asks you to do, your answer is going to be yes. Pre-decide. Not a, God, tell me what to do, and then I'm going to sleep on it. See what that's going to look like. Pre-decide today. God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Unqualified, unconditional conditional obedience to God. That's what James is saying in James 1.22. To prove yourself a doer of the word and not merely a hearer who deceives himself. Look, if you want illumination, begin a relationship with Jesus. Ask God in faith every time. You read scripture to open your eyes. Come with a humble attitude. Cleanse your heart of sin and conflict and commit in advance to do what God says. So I want to close it. I, just, I, want, to, I want to bless you and I want to pray specifically that the Holy Spirit will begin that illumination process in you and as you open scripture this week, you're going to have that aha moment like, I've never noticed that before. And the Holy Spirit's just going to drop something in you and stir that in you. So stand with me. Hey, I also want to just make known, um, last night that idea of a spiritual attack, of you feeling like, you're restless and anxious and it's hard to even sit through the service and all you want to do is run and get out. Um, I kind of felt impressed last night on that. And so uh, if that's you, if like you're just thinking like I, I had, I'm really having a hard time to be here, can't concentrate, I'm you know, agitated, I gotta get, I'd, I'd love to talk to you more about that and pray with you about that. So Lord, today... Um, it's just it's a good encouraging message on how you want to open up scripture to us. And so my prayer is that you would begin to do that. Lord, that you would begin to open the eyes of my heart, open my spiritual ears to hear, my spiritual eyes to see. I pray that upon each person as they begin to read your word, some of them for the first time today, 
some of them for the first time this week. If that's you, open up to the, 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 the Gospel of John or open up the devotional book and jump in to just start reading a couple verses at a time. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as that happens, that you would illuminate them and life would just be, would leap off the pages and that it would be that, that light bulb moment of understanding. And then I pray that we would just recognize the fact that you are near to us and that you're stirring in us and that it's not a coincidence, but it's actually you working in our lives. Listen, some of you do not be surprised this week when you have that aha moment as you're reading Scripture. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do what you do. Lead us in truth. Lead us in truth. You inspired truth. And now illuminate truth. That our lives may never be the same again. I bless you, church, to experience more of God through your devotions this week. To experience the power of his word. I bless you that you would see the solution to your problem. You would see the barrier that's in front of you. You would see the defense that God has placed around you. And you would see the nearness of God walking beside you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget your group this week, Wednesday. I'll be here. I look forward to seeing you then. God bless you guys. Have a fantastic week. Keep uh, sowing into your spiritual growth in 2023. I'm proud of you. Blessings to you.